Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Blessed Sunday to all of you. A lot has happened in the past few weeks, and we hope and pray that all of you are safe and well. It has been a tough year for our country and for our fellow countrymen. Not only have we been plagued by a pandemic, but we were also struck by one typhoon after another. But we do not lose hope because we have been reminded each week through our study of the Bible that we have a God who is always with us, who never leaves us nor forsakes us. And because of that, we will never lack His provision and protection for our lives. We can also be a blessing to others through Him as we share our blessings to those who are in need and the gospel of our Lord Jesus that gives hope to the hopeless. And that is my prayer for all, for all of us, for you, ECP, that our Lord will use us to be a channel of blessing to others. Today, we will continue on in our series in the book of Exodus. But before we dive into our passage for today, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been involved in a fight? Have you ever been involved in a fight? I'm not talking about being in fighting sports like boxing or taekwondo or in fighting video games like Street Fighter, Mobile Legends, or PUBG. No. I'm talking about a real fist fight. Suntukan. Or maybe for the ladies, sabunutan. You know, as a boy, I was always afraid to get into a fight. But I remember this one time when I was in the fifth grade, I almost got into one with my classmates. Uh, I can't remember what we were quarreling about, but we were already bumping each other's shoulder. But thankfully, it didn't turn out it didn't turn into a full-blown fight because both of us hesitated to, risk, uh, to raise our fists against each other. You know, I always avoided getting into a fight because I was always afraid to get my nose broken. And I don't think I will be able to stand the humiliation of beat, being beaten up in front of everyone. So I avoided every fight that I can. You know, most people would avoid getting into a fight if they can help it. But there are times that it is unavoidable. And that is what we will see in our passage today. As God led the Israelites out of Egypt, He led them through the Red Sea to avoid battle. But now, in chapter 17, they will have to fight. So let us open our Bibles to Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. To 16, and let's read all about it. Exodus 17, verse 8 to 16. Then Amalek, Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up, held up his hands, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. May God bless the reading of his word. From their escape to Egypt through the Red Sea, Moses and the Israelites faced different challenges. First is the problem of food. They grumbled against Moses and against God, thinking they would die in the wilderness from hunger. But God provided for them with food from heaven every day, and it was called manna. Then they grumbled again, asking for water, complaining that they would die of thirst. But again, God provided for them. God provided water from the rock. This miraculous demonstration are to show Israel that the Lord will provide for them. He is the God who provides. But now, they face another problem. Now, they have to literally fight for their survival as they face the threat of an enemy seeking to destroy them. Now, why would God jeopardize their lives by leading them to this enemy? Wasn't God able to prevent this from happening just as he did back in chapter 13 when God says he did not want to lead them through the Philistines to prevent them from fighting? And remember, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. They were not a military army. They are not trained to fight. So why would God lead them into one? The answer is simple. Just as God provided manna and water from the rock to show the Israelites that he is the God who provides, he now leads them into this battle to show them that he is the God who will fight for them. And he wants them to understand this important truth, that the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. This is the truth God wants the Israelites to put in their heart. And that is the truth our Lord wants to teach us today, that the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, what does this truth mean to the, mean to the Israelites, and what does it mean for us today? Why is there a need to fight in the first place? If the battle is the Lord's, then how are we to fight? How can we be sure that we will end up in the side of victory? These are the questions we will answer today as we go through this passage. So, brothers and sisters, please keep your Bibles open in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 to 16, as we learn what it means that the battle belongs to the Lord. As we try to understand what it means that the battle belongs to the Lord, the first question we want to ask is, why is there a need to fight in the first place? And the answer to this question is simple. So simple that my seven-year-old daughter, when she read this question as I was typing this sermon, answered it correctly. She said, Dad, because there are enemies. Because there are enemies. And she's right. They need to fight because they have an enemy before them. Exodus 17 verse 8 it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. 
You see, the enemies of the Israelites here were the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? We first hear of these people in Genesis 14. But what is more important to know about them is that they have been a constant threat throughout the history of Israel. They were one of the threats why the Israelites was discouraged to enter the promised land during and in the book of Numbers. And they were again a threat in the time of the judges until the time of King Saul in 1 Samuel where David finished them off in chapter 30. But the Amalekites were not the only threat to the Israelites as they pursued the land God promised to them. There were the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and of course the Canaanites who were currently living in the promised land during the time. And Israel will have to face all of these enemies in order to claim God's promise for them. And that is why this battle against the Amalekites was so important. It couldn't be avoided. In this battle, God is to demonstrate to his people how they are to fight their future enemies. So much so that their future commander was introduced here for the very first time, and that is Joshua. Look at verse 9 to 10. It says, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. Here we see for the first time Joshua leading the Israelite army in battle. Just as he will lead them in the conquest in the book of Joshua. In this battle, Joshua is already being groomed by God to be the leader and battle commander of the Israelites to face their future enemies. Why is there a need to fight? Because the threat is real. The enemy is real. God's people always face the threat of enemies. And how do we identify an enemy of God's people? These enemies stand between God's people and God's promises. They keep God's people away from the promises of God. The Israelites had them before, and we still have them today. Who is the enemy of God's people today? Who is our enemy? Who are the ones that stand between us and God's promises? Are they people from other countries? Are they people from other faiths? Or religion? Is it our boss who overloads us with so much work that we cannot spend time with God? Is it our barcada who BIs us into doing foolish things? Is it our parents who doesn't allow us to go to church? No. They are not the enemy. The Apostle Paul tells us who our real enemies are in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says here, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, the enemy is real. And our enemy is not of flesh and blood. Our enemy is not other people of other faith or other country. Our enemy is the SS. No, not Hitler's Nazi army. 
Our enemy is sin and Satan. Sin and Satan. God warns Cain about sin. In Genesis 4 verse 7 saying, Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you. So sin seeks to destroy us. And Peter, the Apostle Peter, warns us of Satan and his evil forces. In 1 Peter 5 verse 8, he says, Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You see, we still have an enemy today that keeps us away from the promises of God. An enemy that we cannot see, and that is Satan. You know, C.S. Lewis wrote a very unique book entitled The Screwtape Letters. It is a story of a demon named Screwtape writing letters to his nephew, Wormwood, a young, inexperienced demon, training him and giving him tips on how to lead his man away from their enemy, which is God. It was, of course, a, a fictional book, like the Chronicles of Narnia, but I would like to recommend to, uh, for all of you to read it because it is a, it's so helpful for Christians to discern how the enemy works against us, how Satan works against us, because the enemy is real. Why is there a need to fight? Because the enemy is real. And the enemy stands between us and God's promises. For the Israelites, it was the Amalekites. For us today, it is our sin and it is Satan who leads us away from the Lord. But we must remember that even though the enemy is real, our God is our divine warrior and the battle belongs to him. Meaning the enemy's defeat is assured. It's assured. Sure loss, sure lose na ang kalaban natin. We will learn more of this in the last point, but beware. Even though the enemy's defeat is assured, he will drag more people down with him as he can. And so why is there a need to fight, brothers and sisters? Because the enemy is real. Sin and Satan is real. And they are always there, ready to attack us. So we need to be ready to fight. And remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. Now that we understand the threat and therefore our need to fight, let us now understand how are we to fight. If the battle belongs to the Lord, how are God's people going to fight their battles? And this is the most interesting part in our passage today and throughout Israel's war history. In verse 9 to 11, look at your Bible, it said, So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. Even though the Israelites weren't warriors, they were prepared and armed to fight the Amalekites under the leadership of Joshua. But what is interesting here was that it was not their preparedness that is winning them the battle. 
It is actually what is happening on top of the hill where Moses is at. And it tells us that whenever he raised his hands, presumably holding his staff, the, Israel, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he gets tired and puts it down, the tide of the battle down turn against them. Now the question is, why was this the case and what does this mean? You know, there were number time, a number of times where God commanded Moses to lift up his staff in Egypt. It was during the ten plagues to unleash the power of God against the Egyptian. And during the crossing of the Red Sea as well, God commanded Moses to raise his staff and the water of the Red Sea split into two. And that is what the Lord probably commanded Moses to do in their battle against the Amalekites. And true enough, it produced the same result. So when Moses' arms grew tired, they let him sit on a stone while Aaron and Hur held up his hands so the Israelites won. Kasi nakataas na yung kamay niya. Now what this tells us is that the Lord is the one responsible for their victory and deliverance against the Amalekites. God, their Lord, is the one responsible for their deliverance. The Israelites never won because of their strength in battle, nor did they lose because of their weakness in battle. Their victory was fully dependent on their trust and obedience to the Lord. It always was. You see, when they trusted and obeyed God, they always won. Just look at their siege in Jericho in the book of Joshua. God told them to simply walk around the city, blow their horns, and then shout. And that's what they did. And what happens? The walls of Jericho fell down and they destroyed and defeated Jericho. When they lose, it is because they disobeyed God. Look at their defeat against Ai, the people of Ai, which, is, which are a weak enemy. Yet they lost. They lost because some of them disobeyed God when they kept the devoted things God commanded them to destroy. Indeed, what we learn here is that when the Lord fights for them, they win. If He doesn't, they lose. Indeed, the battle belongs to the Lord. When the battle belongs to the Lord, it means that the battle is not a battle of strength and skill. The battle is a battle of the heart. It mattered not how strong or skillful they were in combat. What mattered is how they trusted God and chose to obey Him. Therefore, the battle is a battle of the heart. And the Israelites have always struggled with this. And many Christians today struggle with this as well. And the enemy knows this. And that is why the enemies continue to attack the hearts of God's people. What is the battle of our hearts today? I can think of two things on how the enemy attacks the heart of God's people now in our generation. First is through temptations. Temptations. This is the way the enemy lures our hearts and our bodies to sin whether it be idolatry or sexual immorality or covetousness or greed, God tempts us. 
And the second way the enemy attacks our hearts is through distractions. Where the enemy fills our time with so much entertainment, so much information, and seemingly important things. Important things. But actually they are not. The enemy fills us with so much of these that we forget that we have to obey God. We have to do things. We have to follow the commands of God. And because of all these distractions, we forget to spend time with God. We forget to abide by the Lord. And because of these distractions, we forget that we need to care for other people, to love other people, instead of sitting comfortably in our own homes. Because of this distraction, we forget that we need to disciple our family, our children. And the enemy today has a new weapon in attacking people's heart with both, both temptations and distractions. Ano yun? Our smartphones. With just a click of a finger, toot, porn. By swiping up and down, toot, gossip. Covetousness. Ay, meron siya nun? Ako din, gusto ko. Click. Added to cart now. Temptations. How about distractions? We have so much to distract us and our, and our children away from God. Napakarami. We have Netflix. We have YouTube. And you just finish watching one and it recommends another one immediately. We have Mobile Legends, GG na, one more game. And the whole day is wasted. And we forget about the things we need to do. We forget to spend time with God. Instant dis- distraction and temptation inside our pockets. I'm not against smartphone. We all use it. It is an incredible tool for our daily lives. But let us be extra careful not to allow it to become a tool for the enemy against us in a battle of our hearts. I won't forget what one pastor told me during dinner. He said, the most important battle we face every day is the time we spend with God. And when we lose this battle, we lose all other battles. And yet, sadly, this is the battle most Christians neglect in their daily lives. I pray that it would not be a case for us. If it is the case for us, then let it not be anymore. Brothers and sisters, let us fight the most important battle of our day. Spend time with the Lord every day. Proverbs 4 verse 23 warns us, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. And how do we guard our hearts from the attack of the enemies? Paul tells us that our Lord equips uh, equip us with the armor of God. In Ephesians 6 verse 13, he says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, uh, to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. What are the armor of God? It is the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. These are the armor that Paul listed. 
But I do not have a time to explain all of these in detail. But let me briefly say that we put on the full armor of God by keeping watch of our discipleship to Jesus. What do I mean by that? When we read the scripture and obey them, that is what it means to put on the armor of God. That is what discipleship means. When we immerse ourselves in prayer and let the Spirit empower us and lead us, when we preach the gospel to ourselves and to others and be accountable with one another to walk by the grace, of, uh, by the grace and mercy of God every day, that is how we put on the armor of God. And that is what discipleship and disciple-making is all about. That is what it means to love God and make disciples. Brothers and sisters, the battle that the Israelites fought was not on the battlefield, but it was on top of the hill. It was not a battle of strength and skill, but a battle of the heart. A battle to trust and obey the Lord every step of the way, because the battle belongs to the Lord. And that is still where we fight our battles today. The battle for our hearts. You see, the enemy is real and he attacks our hearts with temptations and distractions. Therefore, we must guard our hearts and lead it closer to the Lord every day. And the closer we bring our hearts to the Lord, the closer we are to victory. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. The closer we bring our hearts to the Lord, the closer we are to victory. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. Now that we know why we need to fight and why we are to fight, oh, and how we are to fight, the last question is, how can we be assured of victory? How can we be sure that we can have victory? Well, let me tell you, we cannot assure ourselves of victory, but the Lord himself assures his people of victory. The battle belongs to the Lord, therefore, the victory belongs to the Lord. Look at your Bibles in, Bibles in verse 14 to 16. It says, And the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called, it the, called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, a hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with the Amalekites from generation to generations. Again, we see the anticipation of Joshua leading the Israelites through many battles in pursuit of the promised land. And with this, Joshua has to remember an important truth that the Lord will wipe out their enemies completely. This is memorialized through an altar named Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi meaning... The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. Now, what is the significance of this title? The Lord is our banner means He is our flag, our symbol. In battle, when we see the flag, it is our rallying point. So the Lord is our rallying point. We go to Him. We off he, and He offers leadership and protection for His troops. And of course, as the banner flies, it is a symbol of victory. 
And this is a truth that Joshua and the Israelites need to hold on to in anticipation of the battles ahead. That the battle is the Lord's and therefore victory belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord, therefore the victory belongs to the Lord as well. Moses, lifted, lifting up his hands and his staff to bring victory to the Israelites, tells the Israelites two things, that Moses is the one whom the Lord has chosen to lead Israel. And number two, that the Lord is responsible for working their victory and deliverance through Moses. It was not their strength. It was not their preparedness. It was the Lord. The Lord brought about victory through Moses. Today, God has appointed another leader to lead his people in battle. A savior who will bring about God's deliverance for his people. A champion to guarantee victory against their enemies. One the enemy can never overcome, whose heart is fully obedient and devoted to God. Just like Moses, whose arms were raised, to bring victory to Israel, he willingly raised his hands out, stretched on the cross to grant victory through, the forgiveness, through forgiveness to those who will believe in his name. When the enemy thought he was defeated as he died on the cross and was buried, he rose up from the dead to claim victory over sin, over death, over Satan once and for all. That is why the Apostle Paul says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, if God is for us, who can be against us? Brothers and sisters, truly the enemy is real, but the battle belongs to the Lord, and the victory belongs to Him as well. And the good news is, He has already brought victory for His people through His only Son, Jesus Christ who has won the ultimate victory for us on the cross. And the culmination of his victory will be celebrated on his return. And he offers us this victory to those who will trust him, who will receive him as the Lord and Savior. Friends and family, you want to fight in the side of victory? Then put your trust in Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, our battle is not a battle of strength and skill, but a battle of the heart. Therefore, surrender your heart to Jesus, receiving Him as your Lord and Savior, and follow Him. And He will lead your heart and your life. He will lead it and protect it, for He is our banner. The enemy might attack us, but he gives us his armor, his spirit, to combat the enemy because the battle belongs to him. 
Indeed, let us remember, the enemy is real, brothers and sisters. And there is a battle ongoing. The battle for our hearts every day. So put your trust in our Lord. Spend time with Him. Read the Scriptures. Pray unceasingly. Disciple one another to obey our Lord. For the battle belongs to the Lord. And He has brought victory to us. And the victory is found in Jesus Christ alone. Indeed, the battle belongs to the Lord. And He has brought victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just want to give thanks for today. We thank you, Lord, for this great reminder that there is a battle ongoing because the enemy is there keeping us away from you, keeping us away from your promise. Thank you for reminding us that we cannot let our guard down because the enemy is real and he is there to destroy us, to attack our hearts, to go against you through temptation and distractions, using our mobile devices and other things. Thank you for this reminder. But more so, we thank you that you remind us that even though we are in a battle, the battle belongs to you. And we can find victory in you and you alone. Thank you that you provide us your armor, the armor of God, to be our protection, your word, your spirit, to strengthen us to fight the enemy. And Lord, thank you for the promise that you have reminded us today that since the battle belongs to you, victory belongs to you as well. And you have brought and bought victory for all of us through your Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us to trust Him in our everyday lives, to follow Him because He is victorious and we can have victory in Him. Help us to trust Him every day and help us to obey and let the Lord fight for us. Indeed, the battle belongs to you. The victory belongs to you. So we put our trust and obedience only to you. This is our prayer in the mighty name of our Savior King. Amen and Amen.